Hello and welcome back to the All Car Radio Leasing Podcast. Today we'll be talking about some of the most recent cars available on the market or due to come out this year or early next year. And with me today is Chris. Hello, back once again. Excellent. So let's kick things off straight away with the Abarth 595 Assis. I know it's been out for a while now, but it's definitely a car that I think is going to make an impact on the market. In particular, I think the Brembo brakes and the amplified exhaust will pull it away from that female market. What do you reckon? I think I've always liked Abarth, although the people that own them love them. Abarth have like a, a really niche and tightly knit culture around the models. Same like the 124 Spider, that they still they're still fit into the Abarth community, even though it's a different mm-hmm. car to the rest of the range, because uh, it's very sort of Russian doll, in my opinion, anyway. You know, 695, 595s, no matter what variant you get them in, the Abarth way is always, let's add loads of carbon fibre to it, let's make it loud, let's make it fast. I think it'd be an absolutely hilarious car to drive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you know, one of my favourite cars is the um, Punto Abarth, and the Assis version of that was, it, it was just next level. I mean, the, the Punto was never going to compete with hot hatches, but mm. as soon as it became an Abarth, People started looking at it, and when it became an Assisa bath, you know, they started fitting Brembo to it. They stripped everything out. It was never a heavy car, but when you turn the seats into those slimline carbon fiber seats that you you get, like Recaros. Um, so is that what the Assisa actually is? Is that like the racy spec? Yeah, it, it's like it strips pretty much everything out and then replaces it with the most lightweight utensil. But you maintain things like air conditioning and some creature comforts. But the inside of this car, it looks absolutely stunning. And it looks so aggressive when when you look at it. You know, there's a simple shifter to it. There's a flat bottom steering wheel that's got carbon and Alcantara. And it, it makes you want to race it. And that's why I feel like it's going to pull blokes mm. in. I do tend to see a lot more men driving a bath than I see perhaps uh, men driving the regular 500. It, it's considered yeah. cutesy, if you like. But I think a bath has done that sort of mini thing where they've released the John Cooper works, and that's introduced a to more the, to the masculine you, sort of thing. It's only the sort of proper car enthusiast that would consider a car like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, if, if people are going to laugh at you for driving a 500 or if someone's going to... Um, sort of take the mic that oh you're just driving a Fiat. As soon as this car hits the hits the street, hits the track, and someone's pulling away at a 5.4 second naught to 60, you know you suddenly get left in dust, just sort of going. Well, I'd still put it in my pocket and great. I think people read too far into that's like the pub stats these days. Things you brag to your mates about when you actually drive a car like that, it's completely different. I think. Having a car like that, it's just all about how much fun you have driving it rather than what it is on paper because mm. sports cars otherwise wouldn't be a thing. You know, GT86s, they're not particularly fast. Not slow either, mm. but still, you know, the controversy surrounding it is, oh, it's still slow, oh, it's still a Toyota. But no, it's about the driver having fun. It's not your car. So, mm. you know, it's just one of them. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I think... A bath has done wrong with this car is they've also released it as a convertible with that sort of folded canvas roof that comes way back beyond where the rear glass normally is. 
What What do you think of that? To be honest with you, I've got a friend who has a, a Peugeot. It's a two hundred eight or a one hundred eight. CC, the, the smallest one, yeah. But it's got the convertible roof, and I thought I, I didn't know how much I'd enjoy it until I sat in a car with one. Because I would never, like, you know, until sitting in it, I never thought, oh my god, I'd be dying to have one of those in my car. But it's actually quite good, you know. I can see why people would choose them. And your next car? So mine was the newly announced BMW 1 Series, which uh, has quite yes. a few changes. So front-wheel drive now, instead of the usual rear-wheel drive. Mm. Uh, though, that being said, the M135i models are four-wheel drive. So a change in that sort of degree as well. Still fast, obviously, yeah. but no longer has three-litre engine. It's now a four-cylinder, two-litre engine. Yeah, no, definitely. The BMW 1 Series was sort of in need of a refresh, but, and I know we disagree on this, I think that the new styling looks great, mm. but I don't like the kidney grille. And in all fairness, I never have enjoyed BMW's kidney grills. They are getting bigger and bigger as well. Same with the new X7, the grill's just enormous. And same with the 7 Series too. But with this new one, the 1 Series has always looked the same. That's the thing, it's always had the same shape. Whereas this new one, I mean, we, we did a Facebook post recently just announcing the model. And everyone just kept comparing it to the new Ford Focus. But people did that with the new A-Class as well. I think they're both controversial models, to be honest with you. And yeah. uh, being front-wheel drive now instead, people are also sort of... Ah, uh, and that thinking, oh well, now it's just you know, how is it different to any of the other family cars out there? Yeah, it's it's a sort of fairly mundane argument, you know. All cars that are five door hatchback, front wheel drive, stick a different skin on it, and it depends on what badge is your preference. Mm. But I I do think that they they have made something of this new styling with the with the body lines, the the clean cut shape of it. Um, again, from the rear, I don't think I would be able to immediately pick it out compared to the, the current one series, but definitely the, the front and side are different for me. What I do like is what they've done with the new seats on the performance model. It's like a really nice sort of Alcantara blue-black suede mix. Mm. Just, they look fantastic and completely different to the older ones as well. Yeah, with the go faster stripe down the centre of the seat instead of yeah. the car. Yeah, and on the standard model, which is a bit of a strange design choice in my opinion, is that orange stripe. I don't think it goes with mm. the car really, because if you can't get rid of that orange stripe, no matter what colour you choose the actual body of the car in, it feels a bit alien to me. Yeah, certainly orange isn't everyone's choice or first choice of colour. And I think if you're forced to have it, regardless of what car you want it's it's almost one of those uh, manufacturers tactics where they'll say we will give you a car that's in purple or yellow unless you pay for paint then we'll give you any color you want yeah and chances are you'll see a lot of these in the standard white yeah like with a lot of one series models we also did um a vote on our facebook page yesterday and uh picked up a thousand votes already and that was as to whether you'd pick the m135i the new one that is Mm-hmm. over the new A35 AMG. And Interesting. It was a landslide towards the AMG. Mm. So 75% of the votes went towards that. So Mercedes are still dominant when it comes to styling, certainly on the exterior anyway. Yeah, but those cars are very similar now. You know, back in, if you were to choose between an A45 AMG and the, and the outgoing M140i, both cars are completely different. You know, one's rear-wheel drive and different styling, and one's all-wheel drive two-litre engine, but these new cars, they're both two-litres, they're both four-cylinders, 
Close to, and they're both all-wheel drive as well, so they're close together these days. Okay, so my my next suggestion for a car that's coming out was recently announced, I think, just over a week ago, and that is the new Ferrari SF90. That's the hybrid one, isn't it? Yes. So Ferrari's been toying around with hybrid cars for a while. Uh, anyone who follows Formula One will know a few years ago they had a electric boost system called Kurs. And Ferrari have been working with that in their cars. Now, there was a Grand Tour episode where they wanted to race, I think it was a... Holy versus, Trinity. Yeah. Aston McLaren um, P1, the, the Ferrari La Ferrari? Yes. And it was a Honda NSX, wasn't it? Quite possibly, yeah. So they... They wanted to race just on electric power, yeah. see how far they could get, and Ferrari couldn't do it. You could only use it as this curse system, as a boost. The new SF90 apparently has this ability to drive electric, so if you wanted to own it in London with the clean air zone, you could, but I'm sure most people will, will have the petrol engine running at the same time. Now, this car, for me, has fallen in amongst the, the most beautiful cars that Ferrari have designed. Certainly, I like the exhaust system. It's built into the middle of the rear of the car. It's sort of got this triangle three-point mount that allows it to flex and move. It and is a looker, isn't it? it it's incredibly amazing. wide. Like, I saw the photos of it, and mm. it's, it just looks like a concept car. Definitely. It doesn't look like a, a car that you would be able to, to buy. It, it looks so out there and futuristic. But Ferrari have been doing that for years when they brought out the, the FXXK. So when they brought out that car, it didn't look like any previous Ferrari. And Ferrari seemed to have gone more to a GT sort of thing. But this one looks like a, a track-ready GT car that has a spare seat if someone else wants to come along the for a ride. Yeah. yeah, certainly. It seems to have come back to that experience. So it's not a car that you go driving across continents. It's not a car that you just take to the track whenever Ferrari call you up and say, we would like to organise an event. Would you like your car? I wonder if they'll bring it down to this year's Goodwood Festival of Speed. I think last year they had mm. a, an FXXK as well. I think it was anyway, it was the hybrid one, and it was on charge most of the time. You weren't allowed to touch it or go anywhere near it, just in case. Yeah, um, I mean, for Ferrari do like getting down to these events, and sometimes they even announce the actual spec or the tech of the cars whilst they're at these events. They like to also create their own buzz and almost a conference around themselves, drawing away from other parts of those events. But, I mean, even looking at the interior of this car, it's all angled towards the driver. So when you're sort of sat inside it, all the instrument clusters are pointed to you and not to the passenger. Which I really like the new ID screens in there as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a fairly clear-cut, simple interior. Like most GT cars, I suppose. Yeah. So the more expensive you go, the less uh, clutter around there is. It's all integrated. Definitely. It's like the Bentley Continentals. There's like a three-point sort of radio clock system mm -hmm. uh, and a screen, I think it is, as well. You can you can switch between the three just by the press of a button. Yeah. So another car I wanted to speak about is the new 3 Series. So another BMW yes. that I'm speaking about. Um, not biased in any way. But 
I think the new model is probably the best three series uh, out of all the lot, in, in my opinion. I know a lot of people are fans of the old uh, E36 ones and the classic BMWs, mm. but with this new three series, I don't think it's one where you have to spec the M Sport trim for it to look great. I think it was great all across the range. Yeah, looking at the car, it to me looks like another BMW. There's there's nothing standout-ish, there's nothing that makes me drop my jaw and, and gawp at it. But at the same time, the 3 Series has been a very popular car, mm. and it will continue to be a popular car. It will have competition from the A5, maybe A6. I wonder if the new Volvo S60 would be as good as it. I don't know if that's a silly question or not, because you don't always sort of compare a 3 Series to the S60. No, you don't. But I, I think people who would buy the S60 want a comfortable, reliable, safe car. Someone who buys the 3 Series. It's one of the iconic British company cars, isn't it? Definitely. You know, the, the stereotype of BMW drivers all come from every fleet manager ordering 30 of them and handing them out to sales staff. Mm. But... I think that this new 3 Series is going to pull people away perhaps from from Mercedes, from Audi and back into the BMW. And certainly when the M3 comes out, I think we'll see a lot more people buying into that BMW M oh, again. Yeah. The new M3 are absolutely fantastic. I think it's been tested at the moment as well. I, don't, I think it's just spy shots that are available at the moment. No actual, you know reveal photos but i think they're also working on a 330e that's going to join the range as well so maybe company car drivers will be choosing the uh, hybrid option as opposed to diesel yeah most companies may have to because as you know a lot of companies have to be carbon aware and by getting the 330e then they can offset that a little bit but it would be interesting to know what the price range of these three series and certainly a 330e will be and whether or not the new M3 will become the new flagship model for BMW for a time until they update the M5, etc. That's true, yeah. Although the uh, M8 is on the horizon as well, so I think that will be the true flagship for a while now. Hard to beat a car like that. It looks phenomenal. Mm. Well, when, when the 8 Series was announced last year, everyone was excited. Then they released the Coupe and everyone was giddy for it, but as always, a lot of people dream about that car, but not many will be able to buy it. Mm. And I think when an M8 comes out, I almost feel like it could be too big. And expensive for the other cars you can get around that price point. Because you start being able to sort of look at Bentleys or uh, you know, other really like high-end competitors. Yeah, no, definitely. When you're looking at that sort of money, most people will want handcrafted as opposed to factory built. Mm. I have only seen one of them so far. I must admit, I haven't seen a single one. So it will be interesting to, to see more and more of them on the road, I think. Mm. So what uh, car did you want to mention next? So next, I was thinking that we'll stick with the exec saloons and we'll look at the Passat GTE. Now, not currently available in the UK on the market, but it is coming out relatively soon, I think, early next year. Mm. It'd be nice to see a GTE version of Passat. I yeah. did see the photos, really nice looking car. Actually, it was quite aggressive, quite stern looking. Yeah, for me, it fits in with the 3 Series, the A4. It, it fits in that group perfectly well. 
without the same price tag, if you like. But the Golf GT was incredibly popular, so I wonder mm. how the Sat GT is going to perform. I'd definitely be all over a Golf GT. Yeah, I I think the Passat has the ability to become that new car for the fleet, and the the contrast interior. So like the GTI series has a red the accent. You get a blue tartan-like mm. pattern interior, as well as the blue accents, and it's a fev, which may put some people off because you do need that plug-in system. But it boasts a 35-mile full electric range, which I think will cover most people's runs. Certainly, it'll save any miles per gallon people are saving from driving up and down the motorway as soon as they hit a town. Mm. And it's a luxury saloon. You know, it, it's fairly top spec in its range. And I suppose this I think it wouldn't go full electric just yet, like the Golf GT. I think personally, with electric cars, I'd get a lot of range anxiety. So if I were doing a lot of miles, I think I'd be happy with the hybrid version myself. Yeah, definitely. It's sadly that there aren't many cars that can boast a range that will achieve London and back, certainly from Manchester near where we are. Mm. And speaking the, of hybrids, the Lexus UX is yes. just on the uh, horizon to be released as well. And Lexus reckon it'll be their most, uh, their top selling model of all time. So it is a crossover, so it does make sense. I think the price point is much towards the Lexus CT, you know, the 200H. Yeah. Um, just with them being quite similar models, I guess, you'd maybe go for the hybrid if you were to buy into a new Lexus these days. Yeah, again, Lexus uh, derived from Toyota. Toyota have been market leading for years in their hybrids and their electrics. And Lexus, certainly the UX has been pushed very hard in the UK in advertising and it's it's worked. I've seen probably four or five um, almost daily uh, driving to work. Now my commute's only half an hour, so that sort of suggests how common they have become. Now, 18 months ago, I think I probably would see one or two, certainly in terms oh, of the signs. Or, or models like that. Yeah. The larger SUV ones. They're nice cars. It's just in terms of, say, if you were to lease one, they're uh, not as affordable as the German competitors, which is why I don't think you see as many of them. But I have quite a bit, a bit of a soft spot for Lexus. And certainly my dad does as well. Although I'm trying to get him to get one of these new UXs because he's been a Toyota man most of his life. And the only gripe he's ever had is the interior. Yeah. So the Lexus um, would fill that gap. Definitely. It comes at a price tag, but I'm I'm sure if if you can convince your dad to sit in one of these new UX, he will be sold instantly. Yeah. Because they do look amazing inside. And they're not overcomplicated like some Japanese cars can be. They're, I think, most of the touchscreen stuff and certainly the displays are a, a very refreshing and simple view to mm. the car. It's another one of those cars that has taken the sort of tablet approach to the infotainment systems. Oh, this one's a little bit more embedded than the Toyota models. So it still looks quite nice. Nicely integrated into the dash. Mm. I feel like the new 3 Series, actually. So I don't think that'll be as much of a, of a jarring issue for you know, prospective owners. I think that's something that certainly got in the way for my dad. He couldn't get yeah. used to that new screen. And I was on the fence for a while. My, car, my car's got the, that sort of star screen as well, but it's actually not that bad. It just depends how far in your eye level it is. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, that fits perfectly with my next car, which is the new Range Rover Evoque mm. that, as you said, has that big tablet display that's sort of taken from... 
the Tesla that was used in the Valar, and the Evoke looks like a, a younger Valar, it does, a smaller it? Yeah. Valar. And don't get me wrong, someone at Land Rover spent years and months certainly building and designing the Valar, but I feel like the new Evoke has perhaps taken a bit too much styling from it. There are a lot of cool options you can get from the Evoke as well, aren't there? Mm. And you get that camera that looks, it's like within the car, and you can see either either front wheel from side to side, yeah. so don't curve your alloys when you're parking, or if you were green lighting, for example, should yeah. you end up green lighting in a car like that. You can see uh, the route yeah. that you're driving over so yeah. you don't bottom out and rip off the sump, etc. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing that I think has been lost with the Evoke is that some people are starting to see it less as a off-roader and more of a city car. Yeah, but I think people really forget how just how capable that car actually is. Yeah, I remember Land Rover did that, that video with the huge speed hump in the middle of the road. Yeah. And obviously it didn't take it at an angle, but still. It was a, a really steep incline, like over 45 degrees yeah. by, the, by the top anyway. <laughs> he still made it over. Yeah, definitely. You know, and not every crossover compact SUV today can boast that. I mean, one thing that does always strike me as odd about the, the new Touch infotainment, and the Range Rover Evoque as well has the touch control steering wheel, which adds a new dimension, I think, rather than the buttons that we've all become accustomed to. There's a nice dual-screen setup now. It's under the more high-end uh, models. I'm not sure if that's on the new Evoque. And I think that is it for us, discussing new cars coming out or recently released in the UK. And next we'll be hearing about the deals of the week with Chris. Cheers, Richard. So, off the back of some of the cars we've been talking about, I think it's best to highlight some of the current deals on those models. So, just in advance, both of these deals will be based on a three-year contract with 10,000 miles a year. So, first up is the BMW M140i. With the new one series on the horizon, now might be the best time to take advantage of the savings if you aren't a big fan of the new performance model. It is quite controversial. The outgoing M140i can be at least for £315 a month with a £2,840 initial payment. We also have the new Range Rover Evoque offer. Uh, the D180 standard model can be had for £338 a month, with £3,045 upfront payment as well. Despite being on the lower end of the range, you do still get things like heated seats, cruise control, alloy wheels, etc. So it's by no means lacking in the equipment department. But I'll leave links in the show notes so you can check out these deals for yourself. Bear in mind, though, if you're listening quite some time in the future, these deals may no longer be available. That's all for this episode. Be sure to check out the links below for more of our content, and we'll see you next time.